Hey church, I hope you're all good. I'm going to continue the thought process today that we started last time out uh, with this title, I believe, dot, 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 so I, dot, dot, dot. We looked at it last time. It's this whole idea of what you believe in your heart and you get a conviction of actually displayed in your behavior in the end. But let me start here this week with this verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. And this is what it says. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. I love this. You know, there are countless verses I could have brought out to show God's goodness and his willingness to bless us. You see, you don't have to look very far in God's word to find the theme running through that he wants to bless people. He wants to bless humanity. We're his favored creation. He wants to rest on us and for us to flourish. God wants to bless you. So today's title is this. I believe God wants to bless me. So I live to attract that blessing. I believe God wants to bless me. So I live to attract that blessing. Can you hear the thought process? I hope already cogs are turning, thought processes are happening, things are stirring in you. And I want to underpin it with this. What is the purpose of life? You know, have you ever considered, ultimately, when you boil it down, what, what is the purpose? And some people might say, well, you know, it's, it's about getting all I can out of it. It might be that I want to experience all I can out of it. Go to far-flung lands and experience different cultures and climates. It might be to have lots of relationships and meet lots of people. It might be to make lots of money and have nice things. It could be a whole bunch of things for you in terms of what you think the purpose is. But I believe the ultimate purpose and the main purpose of life is to know God. And the experience of knowing God impacts every other experience you're going to have. Knowing God is the ultimate experience which will lead to fullness. You know, you might be pursuing a marriage. Will you pursue marriage with God in the middle of it? It will go to another level. You may want to go traveling. Will you travel with God in the middle of it? It will go to another level. You may want to, to, to make money and have a great business. Will you do that with God in the middle of it? It goes to another level. Knowing God is the ultimate, and it impacts every other experience and leads to fullness. So the purpose in life is to know God, and it changes everything. Here's some truth. God is love. And so you look at love, love will always want the best for you. Love will want to see you happy, healthy, flourishing. You know, we understand this idea of love, and we particularly understand this idea of love through our earthly relationships. So for me, I'm married to my awesome wife, Sarah. Big up to Sarah in the chat room right there. <coughs> and because I won that, that wasn't me cuffing to big up my wife. And the truth of the matter is that I want to see her flourish because I love her. <coughs> I want to see my wife flourish. I want to see her brave and confident to try things that are way out of her comfort zone because I love her. And I want to play my part in positioning her to be brave and full of confidence and trying stuff and flourishing. I want to see my wife laughing. I want to see her happy. I want to see her blessed because I love her. And you see, if I want to see my wife blessed because I love her, surely God, who is love and loves me and loves you, wants to see us flourishing, wants to see us doing well. Does God want to see us blessed? Yes, he does. Have a look at this with me. Psalm 23 and verses 5 and 6. 
I believe Psalm 23 became a bit of a go-to verse in lockdown. So good that we can now see the light at the end of the tunnel, things beginning to shift. We can see it, can't we? So, so good. But look at this in Psalm 23, 5 and 6. <coughs> you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How good's that? You see, the build-up in, in Psalm 23 is, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are there, you comfort me and guide me. God in the middle of it with you. And all the while this is happening, he's preparing goodness for you. He's preparing a feast of life for you. Goodness is chasing you down. So, so good. Right there is the heart of love. Right there is the heart of the Father. He wants to bless you. You know, there are some people out there, there are some forces of darkness that are going to oppose you. But God has authority. He has authority, and he is committed to you thriving. He is committed in the midst of opposition to you being blessed. Someone give it a hallelujah right there. That is my father. That is your father. He's committed to you. So bearing all of that in mind, if I have the ability to bless Sarah, if I've got the ability to bless Sarah, what's her best course to attract that blessing? You know, surely we can reason that it would be to include me. Surely we can include the idea of, of, of relating to way of maybe hearing my dreams and sowing into my dreams, you know, doing life together. It's a two-way street, and I love it that we work like that. Do you know what? We're in our 21st year of marriage, and we're still learning new stuff about each other, and it's brilliant, and it's the same with our relationship with God. That as we make it a two-way street and we relate with him, there is more. There's so much more to find out. There's so much more to explore. There's so much more to experience. There's so much more growth to happen when we engage in that way. So if I'm able to bless Sarah, the best way for her to engage that blessing is to relate to me, to share her heart with me, to hear my heart, to sow into my dreams, and it allows love to blossom. And in that healthy environment, it allows the blessings that I have and want for her just to flow freely. The blessings can flow. I want her to win. But what if she dishonored me? What if she totally dishonored me? Would I love her? Well, yes, probably, depending on what had happened. I'm a, I'm a human being. I'm a person, same as you. I'd love her. But would it hinder the release of my blessing on her? I'm not so sure. It might hinder me to feel like, yeah, I love her, but I'm, I'm wounded right now. And now I'm finding it more difficult just to, to flow with all the things I was hoping and dreaming for her and all of her dreams and vision. You know, would you ask yourself the question, if someone you love totally dishonored you, would it affect the flow of blessing? And probably the answer is yes. And I know this much, that in our earthly relationships, we get a glimpse of what our heavenly relationship can look like. Here's the great thing. God is literally on a different plane. He is more loving than I'll ever be. He's more gracious than I'll ever be. He's got more passion in him than I'll ever have. But for his blessings to fully flow in our lives, there's still an expectation that we'll relate to him, that we'll honor him, that we'll hold him in the position of king of our life. It allows the fullest blessing to flow. Have a look at this one with me. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verses 2 through 8. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. 
The fruits of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant the, the enemies that rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you in one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. How cool is that? Deuteronomy 28 is still for you today. God wants to bless you. And hear me now. This isn't a bless me party, bless me party, bless me party. You know, I'm sure people have had that kind of experience, especially in a church life before. But the reality is, as God's kids, we have the potential to access the Father's blessing. We can position ourselves in that place to receive his blessing. But hear me, when we get close to the Father, when we have a two-way relationship with him, we get to feel his heartbeat. And his heart beats for humanity. His heart beats for people. So as we begin to attract and walk in the blessings of the Father, our heart beats for people. And so we position ourselves as blessed to be a blessing. We become funnels or vessels where the blessings of God come into us and through us. And so we're able to bless the people around us. God wants you blessed because he wants to bless other people through you. Yes, he wants you to have a great life. Yes, he wants you to laugh and be fulfilled and be satisfied. But it's not just about you. It's that we can attract the blessing of the Father and then funnel that blessing out and just spread it around us. Do you know our theme this year is influencers? Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. You're a light to the world. Let your light shine. You're here to bring a difference. And so in the same process here, as we are able as God's kids to attract the Father's blessing, it's not just about us. It's about taking that blessing and releasing it to people around you so you become an influencer on behalf of heaven. Be blessed, but be a blessing. Come on, let's dive into this a little bit more. If you are going to live in a way that attracts blessing or allows God's blessing to flow, what does that even look like? You know, again, with these kind of messages, I'm just stirring thoughts. I won't be able to list everything here, but get thinking about it. Get analyzing your life. Get making great choices to say, I want to live on purpose and for purpose. You're an amazingly gifted and clever person. I'm just prodding you. I'm just prompting you. I'm just pointing you to the word. I'm just pointing you to the father. I'm just pointing you to Jesus. Come on, you work with it. One of the things that you could consider in terms of attracting the blessings of God is attitude. Type it in the, in the box right now if you're, on, if you're on Facebook right there. Attitude. And I want to look at this in a weird way. I listened to a guy called Craig Grishel. You may know him. He's a very inspirational church leader. Uh, writes leadership books, does leadership podcasts, and, and I, he inspires me. I think he's an amazing, amazing man. And something he said a few weeks ago just caught my attention. I've grabbed it, and I'm, I'm, I'm stealing it. I hope you don't mind, Craig. But I'm just going to steal this little thought for this part of this message. Hummingbird or vulture? The awesomeness that is Bully Moat, who's going to uh, oversee this coming out on, on, our, on our screens right now. She's got two pictures for you she'll put on the screen, and there will be a picture of a hummingbird and a picture of a vulture. Now have a look at that vulture, not attractive. Have a look at the hummingbird, attractive. And even in the pictures, you can see where I'm gonna take this. 
When a vulture gets up in the morning, it spends its time looking for a carcass to feed on. That's the goal. I'm going to get up and I'm going to look for something to feed on. He will look for the fallen, the hurting, the dying, the dead, just to feed on, to pick the bones off of it, to feed himself. And here's the problem. I believe we live in a society today that has got too much of a vulture culture, too much of a, a vulture attitude. You know, we're going around looking for people's mistakes and we're picking the bones off of them. We're looking for, for people and projects that are failing or have failed. And, and we're looking at them and saying, oh, look at that. And it's all over social media. It's all in the news. It's all in our conversations. We are so quick to jump on top of and feed off things that are going wrong. Love a bit of failure. Whoa. But here's the thing. It builds up a judgmental attitude. Ah, that went wrong. I knew that was going to go wrong. Didn't you know that was going to go? I knew that would go wrong. Look, see, it was obvious. Useless. And we just, it gets in us somehow. And it's like this, this vulture attitude that is just feeding on carcasses, feeding on what's dying and failing, and almost celebrating it in some weird way. But it affects you on the inside and changes your attitude. And it's linked with judgment. Knew that was wrong. I always knew that was going to fail. This kind of thing's in and around us all the time. And my encouragement to you is don't let that get in you. But rather, the hummingbird. You look at the picture of the hummingbird, colorful. It looks lively. Even the picture of it is just brilliant. But the hummingbird's primary objective when it gets up in the morning is to seek out nectar to feed on. I love it. It is looking for what smells good. It is looking for what looks good. It is looking for what tastes good, and it feeds on it. You know, you put that imagery into life today. Could you be someone whose primary objective is to seek out and celebrate what is good, to feed yourself on the good stuff that's all around you? Could you feed yourself on being the best encourager? It's life to me. It's bread to me when I encourage people. Say, well done, you. That was amazing. I've loved it through this whole lockdown when week after week I've been out to get up and celebrate people in our church. Our church is full of amazing people. We have done an amazing job through lockdown, all of us. Well done you. I celebrate that. Do you know why? Because I want to have a hummingbird culture in my life. I want to have the attitude where I get up and I look for what's good and I celebrate it and I feed on it. Do you know why? Because it does something on the inside of me. And I believe that kind of attitude attracts the blessing of the Father. The Father's not looking for what's failing and stamping on it. The Father is looking for what's good and celebrating on it. You know, the Word says, doesn't it? Think on things that are good and that are pleasant and that are healthy. It gets creates a mindset, and I believe it, it's a mindset that allows blessing to flow. Judgmental attitudes actually repel blessing. Have a look at this, Jesus speaking, Matthew 7, verses 1 through 3. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I believe so much of what Jesus is saying there is in the culture around us. And it's a vulture culture. It's this whole idea of, you know, I'm all big and I'm, I'm important and I'll just find out what's wrong and I'll feed myself on it and make myself feel good. No, 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 no. Come on, that doesn't attract blessing. That repels blessing. 
seeking out what's good. Bringing encouragement brings life and allows flow. I don't know if you've ever felt judged, but it's a horrible experience. I've experienced it loads of times in my life, and particularly loads of times in my church life, unfortunately. You know, as a preacher, and I've been doing it my 16-odd years now, but especially in my sort of first three or four years of preaching, you find you're finding your way with it, you're, you're new in church, you're wanting to do a good job, you're wanting to look for encouragement. But in a, in a preaching environment, in a church environment, so often you get Billy know-it-all. You're, you're preaching your heart out, you're declaring the goodness of God, you're pointing people to Jesus, you're unpacking scriptures as best as you know how and doing your best job. And, the, you know, good stuff's going on, but Billy know-it-all will sit there like this. And at the end of the service, you can see him out the corner of your eye. People are coming up and shaking your hand. And remember those days when we could shake hands and hug? It's on its way back, people, this coming week. And, you know, having a hug and chatting it through and lots of laughter. And you can see Billy Know-It-All approaching. And I'm in my heart, I'm just sinking, thinking, oh, here he comes, Billy Know-It-All. And Billy Know-It-All approaches you and says, uh, uh, thank you, Pastor Barry, good preach. But, oh, here we go. But what? But did you realize that that Hebrew word you know, actually means this, and you could have interpreted it this way. And, you know, it's just like he's pulling it. He's making a judgment and pulling everything down. But what he's failing to see is the two people that responded to the gospel message and met Jesus for the first time. What he's failing to see is the person who was at the back who was really moved to tears and the Holy Spirit was touching their life and they were getting the healing from the inside out. What he failed to see was three new people in church life that came away and had the best experience and encountered Jesus all over again and, and recommitted themselves. What he failed to see was the good stuff going all around him. But because he shares the vulture culture, he tried to pick out what he thought was wrong. And he may well have been right. But in being right, he's missing what is good. I'm not saying I'm perfect all the time. Who is? But I tell you what, I'll always give it my best shot. But this whole idea of judgment tears me down, tears the experience down, and he walks away not feeling great. I walk away not feeling great. No one wins. So can I encourage you? If you want to be someone considering how am I going to attract the blessings of God, steer well away from a vulture culture and start stepping into a hummingbird culture. Come on, let's seek out what's good. Let's be full of encouragement. Let's build people up because it allows blessing to flow. I hope there's an amen in the house somewhere. What about this whole idea in terms of attracting blessing where forgiveness attracts blessing and unforgiveness repels blessing? Matthew 6 verse 14 says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. You see, forgiveness is a great thing. I think sometimes people get hurt, things get said, things get done, you, you, you get hurt. And you hold people in unforgiveness as if it's going to help you. But the reality is the person you're holding in unforgiveness is getting on with their life and, you know, isn't affected. The only person being hindered is you because you're feeling hurt and wounded and potentially bitter and it's binding you up and you can't understand why this happened to you, why that was said to you, and you hold it like this and you think it's the best thing, but it's the worst thing. That doesn't attract blessing. It repels blessing. It's not affecting the other person. The only person it's affecting is you. So if you can choose, and I say choose in capitals, choose. If you can choose forgiveness, suddenly you're like, okay, God, that was too much for me to handle. I choose to forgive that person, but I need you. 
What happens? The Father comes flooding in with the fullness of heaven and blesses you. That was a good choice, my son. That was a good choice, my daughter. I can bless that. I can't bless unforgiveness, but I can bless a brave choice of forgiveness where you let the other person go. You let the situation go and you allow me to come flooding in because I wanted to bless you all along. Can you see this? People who hold unforgiveness, the only person it's affecting is you. So forgiveness attracts blessing and unforgiveness repels blessing. Uh, how about this one? Generosity attracts blessing. Stinginess repels blessing. I love this. It's one of my favorite Proverbs. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Oh, I love that. I kind of don't even need to unpack it. What a brilliant passage. I'm sure each of you have had moments of generosity. You know, I don't know many people who've never been generous in their life. And when you do, when you practice generosity, when you do something that's over and above, when you give something away that's yours, it does something on the inside of you that is good. You feel good about it, especially when you see the other person flourishing. It just reflects the heart of God. It's doing life with the Father. It's showing what he looks like to other people, and it attracts blessing. There's times with Sarah and I, and uh, you know, we do our absolute best to be a generous couple as often as we feel able. Every time there's an opportunity, we choose generosity. You know, we've done things. We, we like sneaky generosity. That's one of our favorites, sneaky generosity. We've had times when we know that Friends of ours have been going for a meal and we found out where they were going. We phoned up the restaurant and we put our card numbers behind the bar so that when they come to pay for it at the end of it, they, they're able to say, no, someone's taking care of it for you. And they don't know who it was. And it was us. And we were sneakily generous. And we love it. How, how amazing would you feel if you'd been out for a nice meal and you'd been thinking, okay, I've got to pay for this. And you go up and they just say, it, it's taken care of. You're like, wow, so you feel good. The person who's generous feels good. It reflects the Father, and it attracts blessing. I love it. I could go over and over many opportunities and stories along these lines, but I don't want to big us up too much. But can you hear the point? And here's the thing. Sarah and I have never, can I say it again? Sarah and I have never gone short because we've been too generous. Because the word says there, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Why? Because God sees your generosity and says, that attracts my attention, that. I can bless that. And so as we give, he as, and uses us as a vessel and gives more to us. And so as he gives more to us, we're able to give more away. And you create this cycle of generosity. We want to bless you. Lord, come on. And he blesses us. And we're able to bless you. Lord, and he blesses us. And this cycle of blessing goes on because of generosity. Or we could just be stingy and say, we've got this much coming in. We've got this much stuff, and I can see need all around us, but we've got to look after ourselves. We don't know what's going to happen next, next month, and we don't know what a year's time looks like, and so we better be careful with what we've got. And it's fine, and people can live like that, and it's fine, but it doesn't attract the blessing of the Father. It actually says there, one person gives freely and yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly and yet comes to poverty. Can you see this? There is an attitude of heaven 
that allows generosity to flow and it attracts blessing. You end up with more and not less. It's so counterculture. It's so the opposite of how the world operates, but it's totally the way heaven operates. So generosity attracts the blessing of the Father. Stinginess repels the blessing of the Father. Here's a final thought for you. Peace attracts blessing and chaos repels blessing. You know, I think so many people today live in a bit of a state of chaos. You know, people to see, boxes to tick, things to do, stuff to juggle, bills to pay, relationships to keep going. And there's so much going on in their world, it's just absolute chaos. You know, I, I do life with some people and you, you get chatting to them and there's this going on and that going on and the other going on. And I can't fit this in, I've got to do that. And by the time you've left them, you're like, what? And it doesn't attract blessing, it attracts stress. And so here's the thing. We are called to live with the peace of Jesus in our hearts. We shouldn't be living in chaos. We should be living in peace. And do you know what? It's a choice. The first thing I want to encourage you to do, if you don't already do this, is to make sure you have a Sabbath day. Every week, you need to take a day out where you just pause and breathe. Here's the thing. Those things you think you're supposed to be doing on that Sabbath day, they'll be fine. It'll be fine. God will oversee it because he will bless that rested day. Taking that rest attracts blessing. He will oversee it. You think I'm not going to get X, Y, and Z done. It's okay. Just rest. And just you watch how you're blessed. And what it does, it allows your mind just to reset. It gives you a moment to breathe. And you start the day after, okay, I've got these things to do, but I feel like I'm more considered now. It attracts blessing. We can live in chaos or we can live in peace and rest. And it is the peace and the rest that invites the Father into the situation and allows blessing to flow. He wants to bless your rest. He so does. But that means you have to choose to rest. And so my encouragement to you here is to take time out and refocus. If you've got lots going on in your world, come and sit down and make a plan so that you're able to walk that plan out in rest. And when there's a dip in the road or a bump in the road, you can trust Jesus. He says, my peace I leave with you. Jesus was never found without peace. Even his most difficult times, he still had peace in his heart because he knew his father. And he was blessed. He lived blessed. Living in peace attracts blessing. And I think in today's society, that can be a challenge. But these are biblical truths. These are the truths of heaven. And we are here to represent heaven, not just to fall in with the state of the world. So if we're going to be people who attract blessing, you know, I believe God wants to bless me. So I live in a way that attracts blessing. I'm unpacking some of these thought processes, and these are just a few. There's lots more you might come up with, but consider it. You know, live in the way God wants you to live, and it will attract blessing. It will position you to live better, and it will position you to bless others better. It's just win-win. Everyone wins in this scenario. I think just, you know, final point, I think that we so often have a battle with our flesh. You know, things look good to us and we can have them, so we go for it. Because we feel like if I have that thing, or I do that thing, or I enter that relationship, or I go to that place, it's going to make my life better. But there's a better thought process. How about if we believe the ultimate in life is to know God, 
whenever we're presented with a situation or a proposition or an opportunity, how about our thought process says this, is this, this thing we're talking about, this, this opportunity, is this thing I'm going to do, this thing I'm going to say, this thing I'm going to think going to draw me closer to God or move me further away from God? Because ultimately, as we draw close to God, he is the one that holds the blessings in his hand. He is the one that gives peace. He is the one who brings prosperity. He is the one who brings hope. He is the one who brings health. He is the one who opens that door. It's, it's him. He's got it in his hands. And he wants to bless us. So when we're presented with opportunities and decisions, shouldn't our first thought be, is this drawing me closer to God? Or is this moving me away from God? And when you can go through that criteria, I think you'll make more good decisions than bad. And I think you'll include God's blessing more than not. And therefore, things will be better for you because God does want to bless you. You know, we know right from the beginning when Adam and Eve walked the garden, they literally walked with God. How awesome. No stress, just opportunity, just exploration, just life. Everything was perfect. And God said, just this one thing, don't eat from that tree. Don't eat the fruit from that tree because that will show me that you honor me. That's just the one thing because it shows, you that you, shows me that you honor me. And we know the story. They saw the fruit. They liked the fruit. They could have the fruit. And so they took the fruit. But they didn't consider, is this drawing me closer to God or further away from God? So they saw it was good and they thought I could do with that. How often do we see an opportunity as good as me? I'll go for that. But before we decide, can we go through the process of, is this going to take me closer to God or further away from God? Because it's with God where the blessing lies. And I want to attract that blessing from heaven. You know, with, with Adam and Eve there, did God stop loving them? No. Of course he still loved them. He still loves all of humanity. Despite how anyone feels about him, he loves humanity. But with Adam and Eve, did they step away from the blessings? Absolutely yes. They stepped out of the garden. They stepped out of God's blessings. Why? Because they made a choice to dishonor him. And so there's this whole concept of keeping God central, coming close to God, living in a way that honors him and blesses him. So it allows the cycle of blessing to flow from heaven to earth and through your life. You know, sometimes we need to be able to say no, N-O. So often I think we're a yes culture. How about sometimes we have that prompt in our spirit? But when we've got an opportunity, we go, God, is this for me? And you get that prompt. How about allow that prompt to guide you? No, you shouldn't do that. How often do we get little prompts saying, be cautious about this, and yet we do it anyway? How often do we get little prompts saying, don't commit to buying that thing, and we buy it anyway? How often do we get that prompt to say, oh, I'm not sure this is a good relationship for you, and we go there anyway? And then years down the line, we look back and go, what did I do? Could we be people to say, Holy Spirit, prompt me? I've got a decision to make. Holy Spirit, prompt me. Help me. And then we allow that to be our course that says, I want to be someone who lives in a way that attracts the blessings of the Father. Deuteronomy 28 is still true for you today. But it doesn't say this in God's word. It doesn't say, God says, live how you want and I'll bless it. God doesn't say that. But he does say, those who honor me, I will honor them. And he does say, give and it will be given to you. And he does say, as you sow, so you will reap. And there, is, there are things that we have a free life and free will to choose the way we want to live. And one way will attract blessing and another way will repel, repel blessing. And my encouragement to you today 
is to start looking at your life and start making choices where you're going to say, I want to attract the blessings of the Father because I know he wants to bless me. He wants to bless my children, my home, my health, my income. He wants to bless me so that I can be a blessing to someone else. I want to be a vessel of blessing. Oh, everywhere I go, I want to make someone else's life better. I want to look for what's good and encourage it. I want to look for what's trustworthy and praiseworthy and throw stuff at it. I just want your life to be better because my life is so outrageously good because I carry the blessings of the Father in my life. One final verse for you. This is Jesus speaking. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 12. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So, so good and so, so simple. Could we be people that love others? Could we be people that love our Father? Could we be people that honor Jesus so that his joy may be complete in us? Do you know the word says the joy of the Lord is our strength? When you are complete in Jesus' joy, you're just in a stronger position in life. It's just better. So could we be people that go on a journey to say, God, I want you in the middle. God, I want to honor you. God, I want to look at my life and make choices that attract blessings and engage relationship with you and honor you so I can flow in blessing so that I'm blessed and the people around me are blessed and I could be a blessing in any given situation because I'm full. And that's how you've always wanted me to live. Could you live in a, in a way that reflects the love of the Father? Do you know, I, I hope I've stirred thought processes. I've hope I've stirred thinking. I know it's not a complete and all-encompassing thought process, but you can add to it. I hope it stirs something in you that you won't just listen to that and go, that was good or that was entertaining or you did that well. But you start thinking, how am I going to live? This is your life. This is it. How are you going to live on earth? In a way that attracts blessing or repels blessing? In a way that honors God or dishonors God? In a way where you flow and you become a blessing to everywhere you go or in a way that you keep it all to yourself? They're great life choices. The awesome thing is, God loves you so much that he honors your free will choice. So how about we make a great choice that honors God and allows blessing to flow? You get the picture. I'd love to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for every brilliant, amazing person that's tuned in to listen to this message. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd stir in our hearts, you'd stir in our minds. Lord, that we'd begin to think clearly. We'd begin to take seriously our, our life choices. We begin to take seriously our relationship with you because we know you want to bless us. So help us, Lord, to live in a way that will attract your blessing. Yes, Father, so that we'll be blessed, but more importantly, that we could be a blessing. Everywhere we go, we could be a blessing. That other people's lives and worlds could be better because we're in them. That our lives are better because you're in them. So be glorified, I pray church, I just want to declare a blessing over you right now in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Be encouraged. Let me stir up the goodness in you. Let me stir up the talent and the hopes and dreams in you. You're amazing. The potential in you is huge. 
So let me stir that up in you. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Let today be a new beginning to you. Let it be a day where you make a fresh choice to say that I'm going to live in a way that attracts the blessings of heaven. So God bless you. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, every week, I always like to finish with giving you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. You know, I, I don't know everyone who's going to be tuning in today. I don't know where you sit in life. I don't know what you've been through or decisions you've made. But I know this. Jesus loves you so much. And he, he declared that and demonstrated that when he came from heaven, gave up his seat in heaven to come and be a person on earth and die a death he didn't deserve as a declaration of love to you. But death couldn't hold him. And he got back up and he defeated death on my behalf and your behalf. And although my body will die, my spirit and soul will go on and be with him in heaven because I've made a choice to say, Jesus, I want you in my world. And that choice can be yours today. It's the day of the day you say, yes, Jesus, I want to flow with you. I want to honor you. I want to know you better. I want you in my life. I want to live this outrageous life that I'm hearing about today. But it's yours for the taking. It just takes a yes in your heart invitation to him to come and live in your world and a commitment on your part to walk it out. So I'm going to pray. And you know what? If you pray this prayer, please get in touch with the church because we'd love to contact you and do life with you and join in with you. You're never called to do this on your own. We're called to do this as a church family. So allow us to be part of that. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you love me so much. Thank you that you love me so much that you give me free will choice. And today, my free will choice is to say, come and live in my heart. I say I'm sorry for excluding you, living a life separate from you. But today, I say, come and be central to all of my world. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. Lead me forward. Teach me. Help me to be more like you. Help me to be more loving. Help me to be more generous. Help me to look for the good in people. But thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, I look forward to hearing from you. I look forward to hearing all your stories. Be blessed, church. I'm going to hand you over to the worship team. Have an amazing week. God bless you.